Good morning as well. Good to see you folks. Great to be here. I didn't get to welcome you earlier. We just had too many other people that were better than me. So, uh, so glad they were here this morning. Great to uh, worship with you. Turn in your copy of the Word or open your copy of the Word to Psalm 91. Continuing to look at a few Psalms before we jump back into the book of Romans. This morning, Psalm 91. Let me read this Psalm for us. Hear God's Word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. And he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield, a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or the error that flies by day, or of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, of, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, even ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place, no evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high, because... He has known my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Let's talk about protection. When you read this psalm, the psalmist comes across as someone who is under the shelter of God's wings. He's under God's protection. He is safe and he is secure. How do we feel? Do we feel safe and secure? Not uh, a couple months ago, not long ago, uh, we have a garage and we have an electronic opener and the sensor went out on that thing. So the only way to get in and out of the garage, I just had to open the garage door. Well, I didn't want to do that every day until I got that thing fixed. So I just left the garage door open. Now, to me, a garage door is the most foolish way for a thief to break in. I mean, why would you go through a solid door when you could jump through a window or a glass door or something else? So I have this sense of security that when the garage door is down, that's not the way they're coming, okay? But now the garage door's up, and so I go to bed thinking, ah, I'm not as safe. I'm not as secure. I have a garage door, and it's double locked, but the garage door's up. You know, I've got a back door that's locked. And so there was just for several nights there that feeling of, okay, now we're vulnerable to attack. Is it going to happen? Some of you, you know, we've had stuff stolen from our house. Some of you have had stuff stolen out of your driveway, out of your garage, out of your carport. So you know kind of what I'm feeling here. Those are real feelings. Are we safe? Are we secure? 
we've been under attack before. Is it going to happen again? How do we get a sense of safety and security? What if Jesus could make a difference? Now, this is a tough subject for Americans. What if Jesus could make us feel safer, more secure? What if Jesus would make a difference that we wouldn't think about our fire department or our police department first, but we would think about Jesus? What if Jesus would be more secure for us than our electronic surveillance systems that we have in our house and our cameras that we have at our doorbell? What if Jesus actually made us feel safe? Ha! Some of you scoff. I know. I live with you, do. It's like, ah, yeah, but I don't want to give up my electronic devices. I don't want to give up my locks. I don't want to give up my guns. I don't want to give up all of my sense of security because you're telling me Jesus makes me safe, right? We don't want to defund our own means of security for Jesus' sake. But let me just ask you to consider it this morning. I know it's a tough subject. That Jesus might just make a difference. That he might be like the psalmist, our shelter, our fortress, our security, our guard, our protector. I mean, we read these words, do we practice them? Is Christ really where our safety and security exist. So consider that with me for a moment as we look at the life of the psalmist in Psalm 91. It begins with God being listed as the one who protects us by nature. And he nurtures that through the psalm and he shows us how near and close he is for that whole purpose as we get to the end of it. So let's look first of all at the first two verses again. God's protection, that he who dwells in the shelter of God, of the Most High, will abide there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a guarantee that if you are dwelling with God, God's protection is on us. Now, all of us aren't the same. We know that. Do we all get God's protection in equal measure? We're born different. We're born in different places. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. We have different disabilities. Does God protect us all equally? Well, it's interesting. The psalm doesn't even talk about our abilities. It doesn't talk about our wealth. It doesn't talk about our ability to purchase security systems or whatever. It talks about our heart. Do you see that? He who dwells is talking about a nearness to God. It's not based on ability or inability or finance. It's the one who is near to God. He who dwells with God. Security based on your relationship with God. Without other parameters. We looked at before the word dwell. It's the word abide. I'll give you a few of these references again. One's already been read this morning. Look at John 8. 
uh, verse 31. Here the word is continue in uh, my translation, but it's the word abide, it's the word dwell. John 8, 31, Jesus says, I'm speaking to the Jews who had believed in him. And he tells them this, if you continue or you dwell, you abide in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. There are lots of people who say, I believe in God, but do you trust? Do you trust the words? Do you dwell in the words and change the whole dynamic? Look over at John 15. Um, interesting, verse 7 and 8, and as uh, Jonathan was reading it again this morning, just, it just struck me, John 15, 7 and 8, how dwelling in the word is crucial to a relationship with God. Let me read it to you again. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide, so you're dwelling in the shelter of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Interesting to me is if you abide in my words, my words abide in you. Then you have what it takes to pray. Did you catch that? Then you have what it takes to have a relationship. When you abide in me, my words abide in you. Then you can start praying my word. Then you can start praying according to my will. And you're going to see I answer you. And I'm going to bless you with fruit that glorifies God. If you're not seeing answered to prayer, you've got to come back and say, well, am I abiding? Am I dwelling with God? It's going back to Psalm 91. Those who were, who were in the Word of God, who were listening to God, they start talking to God. And when we start talking to God, God starts giving us stuff and blessing us. And one of those things He blesses us with is His protection. We're under His protection wings and being cared for by him uh, you, the uh, the next verse of, 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 of Psalm 91 begins to talk about or maybe uh, verse 4 does verse 3 says for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his pinions so that's the wings of God uh, covering us under his wings you may seek refuge his faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Are we remaining in God's word to the degree that we start talking to him about it and we share it with him and he starts talking back and he starts caring for us? That's a relationship. Do you dwell with God? Do you have that interaction regularly with God that it's like he's just, he's just with God. He's always talking to God and God's talking with him. That kind of relationship puts us so close, God uses the description of a mother bird keeping the little chicks covered with the wing. And that kind of covering is a strong statement to any adversary because that covering means you got to come through the mother to get to the child. And God says, I'm covering you in such a way that for you to be harmed, somebody's got to come through me first. What are the chances of that? I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. That's the illustration he's giving us, that abide in me, 
my shelter. And don't forget the word my. What a beautiful word. God's not just refuge. God's not just strength. God's not just protection. God is my refuge, my strength, my protection. A little pronoun means so much. That personal relationship is there for us. You know, we can't keep out the bugs with pesticides. We can't keep out all viruses with vaccines. God is an impregnable source of protection. God can cover us in such a way nothing can come through except what he allows. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm alive today because God has protected me. And I've seen it over and over and over again. It's a great home group discussion. Let's go around the room. What are some ways you've seen God actually keep you alive and sustain you and protect you? And you see testimony after testimony from those who dwell with God that they are protected. And we've been protected over and over again. God has kept me thousands of times. And the day that I die, and I might die before I finish this message, I don't know. But the day that I die, don't any one of you say, well, God finally let him down. Not at all. Because when I die, I live. And when I go to heaven, that is the absolute most crucial form of protection. When I get to heaven, I am then protected from all the curse, all the hurt, all the pain of this earth. God protects me completely. And I look forward to that final protection. The Apostle Paul even said, to die would be such blessing and gain. Let me stay here as long as God gives me ministry. But let me rejoice in the day He protects me and takes me home. What a blessing to be protected. That's the way our God protects us through all the things that this world has to offer. Well, think about this protection, how he nurtures it. Verses 5 and 6, you will not be afraid of terror by night or error by day. So it's day or night, God's got you. Of the pestilence, you know, we know something about that the last two years, this, this virus that stalks us in the darkness, that's invisible, that cannot be seen. God says, I could take care of that too. Or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. All of these things God protects us from. And I think sometimes we forget the spiritual realm that surrounds us from which some of these viruses and diseases come. And because they come from this spiritual realm, there's no vaccine that can stop it. Because we don't think about really its origin. It's not so much that it comes from a Chinese lab. Let me show you some verses so that you understand what I'm talking about. Look over at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Timothy 3, verse 7.
here the Apostle Paul is talking about qualifications for elders. And he finishes up with this with the elders, verse 7. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The devil's real. And sometimes we forget that. And we forget that the devil has set a trap. And he wants to bring us down. He wants to bring us far from God. Look over at Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I'm going to give you a story here. Of a lady with a disease. Luke 13. This lady comes to... To Jesus for healing. Luke 13 verse 11. And there was a woman. Who for 18 years. Had a sickness. Catch the next words. Where did the sickness come from? Did it come from Wuhan lab? Sickness caused by a spirit. The spirit world. This sickness caused by a spirit. Spirit afflicted this woman's body for 18 years so that she's bent double over. Jesus says, I can take care of that. Because I'm not only in charge of the lab, I'm in charge of the spirits. And Jesus is able to protect us from the stuff that stalks us in the darkness. We can't see into the spirit realm. And we can't often see into the virus realm. But God sees it. God's very much aware of it. Down in verse 16, and this woman, a daughter of Abraham, so she was a believer is the way God's describing her as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day. Jesus says it's good news. I'm going to take the Sabbath day and I'm going to perform a work of mercy and deliver her. I'm going to be her protection, her security, her resource in time of sickness and illness. Many times we forget God's being over and in charge of all of these things. You know, uh, don't forget in the midst of all of this, the, the warfare passage in Ephesians chapter 6. I mean, just... Scan through it with you real quick so that you, you we just don't forget it. Ephesians chapter 6. God asks us, verse uh, 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Again, dwell in Him, in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. One of the times... One of the things, excuse me, that we should always ask when we're, we're sick or ill or there's illness all around us is what are the schemes of the devil? And how do I stand strong against this? Because we see some of the illnesses and harm that sort of surrounds us is a cause of the devil. Verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day 
And having done everything to stand firm, to stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and with all prayer and petition. So there you see a little bit deeper into this dwelling with God. It says dwell with God so that you can extinguish arrows. You can extinguish the darts, the attacks of the spirit world where Satan dwells and where he has his host attacking believers. God says, I want you to be able to withstand all of that. I want to protect you, and I want to equip you for those kind of battles that exist. And I hope you're beginning to see, you know, this is taking protection and security to a whole new level that no device I buy on Amazon comes close to. And we don't think about the need for that kind of security. And when we have it at times, it overrules the need for a lot of other security. And it brings us into a state of feeling safe and prepared and unshakable for the life God has given us. You might have a lot of enemies. Go back to Psalm 91. It says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. I think a parallel for me for that is in times of slander. You know, some of you have for Sunday lunch, preacher roast. You know, that's a given. I don't mind the preacher roast as much as when it goes beyond that to slander. And you have people talking about you, and you start hearing that. And God says, don't worry about that. It could be a 1,000 of them. It could be 10,000 of them. I got you. You may have people talking about you. You don't have to let it weigh you down or bother you. God's got this. He knows that there are people who don't like you and they're against you and we're so people pleasers. We want to be liked by everyone. It's not going to happen. God says, don't worry, I got it. Got it. Um, verse 8, you will only look on, on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. I love that verse. It's a difficult verse. And I've interpreted it two ways, but uh, we think about recompense, you know, if, if we're in a car accident and uh, you've hit me, it's clearly your fault, you admit it. I mean, with minor accidents, you know, sometimes it, it goes this way, with the, the way prices are today in cars, maybe it's just a little fender bender, but I say, you know, I've been through this, down this rodeo before, give me about 10000 and we'll call it even. Because that's what it's going to take to fix this back up and get going. And you could say, see, that's recompense. You, you compensate me for the injury cause, and you give me some money, and we're good. And I, I think there's this indication in verse 8. We don't even have to in, involve ourselves in that negotiation. God says, you will look on with your eyes and see the recompense. The wicked person who is attacking you, God says, I'm going to negotiate all of that out for you. You're just going to have to watch. You're going to watch and see it's done. That I've taken care of it for you. 
You don't even have to fret over the negotiation process and, and the trouble. All of that uh, seems to get you. Verse 9, For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. Again, no personal touch of evil. God's going to get us through this. He's going to take care of us. I, I, I love the rescue there that God promises. You remember Lot, the story of Lot being taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The whole city was against him. Thousands surrounded him, literally, to get him. And God says, come on, Lot, let's go. And God takes him away. God takes him to protection, safety, and security. And it's a good reminder of us that God's going to do that for us. Uh, you, you know the story of, of Romans 8.28. For all things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Again, you see this relationship. This is for those who love God. And he's saying here in verse uh, 9, you have made the Lord your refuge. You've made the Lord your love. You love God. God loves you back. And when you have that relationship, whatever befalls you, God says, I can take whatever it is and I can make it good. I can take your sickness and I can make it your medicine. I can take your reproach and make it your honor. I can take your loss and make it your gain. See, that's ultimate negotiation. That's ultimate protection and strength and care. That's what God provides for His children. That's what He provides for us. Um, no evil befalls us. And then I love verse 11, 12, 13. We don't, uh, again, it's like... We've gotten out of this spiritual realm and forgotten this. But notice verse 11. He will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Don't miss the plurality of angels. He didn't say you had one guardian angel named Clarence. So you do watch Christmas movies. I was just checking. If you don't know what I'm talking about in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Clarence is the angel. And Clarence comes and takes care of the person he's supposed to guard. Well, God doesn't promise us one guardian angel. He promises us angels. It could be a whole host of angels, whatever it takes. God is guarding us. The angels are commissioned by God. It's, it's kind of like every time one of us repents of sin and comes to faith in Christ... We're sinners, pardoned and forgiven, and we come to Christ, and Christ says, hey guys, come over here. He's calling his troops, his angels. New convert, new believer, take care of him. And the angels are commissioned to watch over this believer and guard him and protect him in all his ways. Don't forget that. See the beauty of that. I mean, you can read through the Bible on your own, and I encourage you to do so. 
And as you read through, guess what? You're going to come across angel, I looked it up, 197 times. So almost 200 references to angel. That's no small matter. And as you tune into that thought of being guarded and protected, you start to see one time after another Ishmael and Hagar protected by an angel. Joseph protected by an angel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego protected by an angel. David protected by an angel. Joshua protected by an angel. Joseph and Mary protected by an angel. Zacharias protected by an angel. Jesus protected by angels. Peter protected by angels. It just goes on and on and on. Our God is our strength and refuge, and He commissions forces to protect us and take care of us. When there's stuff in this, these realms around us and in the darkness coming after us, and God has protected, it says, guard you in all your ways. They bear you up. That you don't strike your foot against a stone. You'll tread upon a lion and a cobra. The young lion and the serpent. I've spent a lot of my life in the woods and I've stepped on serpents. I've stepped on the scorpion. I've stepped on snakes. I don't like it at all. Any snake should be dead as far as I'm concerned. But I've, amen. Yeah, I finally got a Baptist. Come on. Um, when you step on a snake and it goes to wiggling, I mean, you're jumping. Whoa. And to see it be as scared or more scared than you, and it's like, how did I not just get bit? And to have that happen a couple of times? I've stepped right beside rattlesnake, sw swam with water moccasins, and I have nightmares about it. I'm not the tough guy when it comes to snakes. I don't like snakes. I like to stand about 50 yards away with a shotgun and just let them have it. But God has protected me. I've, now, I've not been with lions here, but I have, um, I have been in front of some pretty ferocious German shepherds. And I think that's close. And see them as attack dogs come right at me and then turn at the last minute. It's like, whoa, 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 what just happened? I didn't cease being their target, and yet I'm not anymore. Did an angel come between me and that dog? Did an angel stop that snake? See, that's not far-fetched. Because God has sent his angels to guard us in all our ways. And he specifically mentioned these particular creatures as ones that put fear in us and harm us, and we don't like them, to let us know, I got you. Even when your fears are at its highest point, I got you. And I will take care of you. Well, thousands of times Jesus has taken care of us. That doesn't mean 
we should be imprudent. That doesn't mean we should be reckless. That doesn't mean we should be careless. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you shouldn't get a vaccine. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this or that. When Jesus came out of the wilderness after 40 days of temptation, 40 nights, Satan approached him, and there were angels ministering to Jesus. Satan perhaps even sees the angels. He's in that realm, and he says to Jesus, hey, why don't you climb up onto the temple steeple there and throw yourself off and let the angels catch you? And Jesus says, no, no, no. What does he say? You don't test the Lord your God. God doesn't command us to sin. God doesn't command us to be reckless. But yes, there are angels guarding and protecting me. We still need to be smart. We don't need to be foolish. So I'm not encouraging that. I'm just encouraging you to see the significant protection and love and care we have been given from God. Can God give you an illness today? Sure. Can God give you something that's going to kill you? Yes. Can God... We even... Uh, our John, uh, Andrew read Psalm 51. I thought it was interesting in Psalm 51 that from the bones he breaks, he will take care of you. There's times he breaks our bones like a shepherd breaks the bones of a sheep to say, I want you to quit wondering. I'm going to use these broken bones for a purpose. When you talk about protection and security, sometimes it's good to bring people back in. And sometimes it's good to use the disease and the illness and the broken bones for protection, for guarding you. Can you get cancer when you're early? Sure. God does, young, God does these things. But God still protects us through these things. And we must see God's protection and care. Pray for it. Count on it. That's what God is telling us here. Let's look at the last three verses. 14, 15, 16. God's nearness. Again, you have this. It's been implied through the text. It's clear here. Because he has loved me. Remember the Romans 8, 28? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. Do you know God's name? Does God know you know his name? I mean, I can be walking down the hall here with people all around me that I've not met yet. And somebody says, David. Like, whoa, who is that? He knows my name? I'm not sure who that is. Somebody knows me. And it gets my attention. And it creates a relationship. Do you have that relationship with God? Some people know of God, but they don't really talk to Him. On a personal name, first name basis. Do you know God's name? Do you call him Yahweh? Do you call him Jesus? Do you call him Master? Do you call him, O oh Lord? 
I need you today. Does he know you know his name because you've spent so much time calling on him? All your prayers are in Jesus' name. That he knows you know his name. He knows you're one of the ones that love him. Obviously, he loves us. And he's willing to protect us even with his life. God protects us. He gives us gifts. says, he will call upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. I'll give him a long life. He gives us gifts. He gives us gifts of life. He gives us this heart. A new heart that's not stubborn and stone, but a heart that's beating for God. God's going to protect his gifts that he gives. He's going to protect his children. God's going to care for us. We love him. We know his commands. We follow him. We seek to be delivered by him. You know, I want to protect the people who know my name. I want to protect the people who love me a whole lot more than I want to protect people that don't know my name and don't love me, right? I mean, there's people in your life that they are so close to you. They love you so much. You'll die for them. You won't even think about it. You will be there for them. You, you, you get around you those people that you love most. And God's saying, because you love me, because you know me, I will lay down my life for you and protect you and guard you. And of course, we know he's done that in Christ, coming to give his life for our sin. That's the protection we have from our God. And I think we've got into this culture of technology. So easy to forget it. And think our security is in a little vial or a little camera or a big gun or a strong military or something else. And we forget the protection the love, the security we have in God. Sure, God can use all of those other things, but God is our source. How many of you had the chance would, would go back and live when you were three and four years old again? And the why I picked that age is because when you're three and four, you can run and play. You can dream and play. You can sleep anywhere so well. You never wonder about the big stuff. Somebody else has got that. You don't have the cares of the world. You just have life, and somebody else has you under their wings. And they care for all your needs. And I wish I could transport you there again where you could see our God wants us to have that kind of life, where we dwell under his wings, where we rest in his security.
where we're so near, we feel his guard and his protection. No matter the thousands, the ten thousands, or the serpent, or the lions that are coming our way, we know Christ has us. Let's pray together. Father, it's so easy to forget. But because you live, all fear is gone. You've taken the consequences of sin and death and the grave off the table. Hallelujah. We rejoice. Forgive us for putting our security in shallow devices that really can't take care of the darkness or the spiritual forces in heavenly places. Let us come back again to our refuge and our strength, even Jesus, our God. For those who've never had a sense of security and safety, and they're here this morning, or they hear this word, grant them a new heart to know your name. Grant them the ability to follow your word and to begin praying and enjoying a relationship of intimacy with you. One that you'll die for. One that you've proven you have. And we give you the praise, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.